0: talking industry topical debate from the world of engineering automation and manufacturing a dfa manufacturing media production brought to you by drives and controls the number one engineering magazine for automation power transmission and motion control visit drives and great
1: well it's obviously inspired some of our um our attendees. um, John says your energy demo is really cool, Luke. So he's, uh, he's obviously interested And Zach, um, who I happen to know is from Wolverhampton. He's after your address. So, uh, so obviously uh, that might be quite successful. Um, (laughs) So, so well done on that. Um, Just, just to bring us down off the pedestal for a minute and just moving away from uh, an obvious success story. there was a question about uh, one of the barriers, which is which is that the cost and licensing model associated with IIoT software can often be prohibitive for small steps to be taken. So, you know, in terms of justifying investment, thus stifling progress. Is this something vendors need to change and adapt? to or maybe can they change their model to to overcome that problem chris you're you're nodding maybe, maybe i'll i'll start with you
2: mm. <laughs> not to stop nodding so much um <laughs> yeah the um that is a that's a really interesting question and i guess um you know a really it's a really relevant point um i suppose from the vendor's perspective trying to find that balance between um where the where the cost there's almost a tipping point isn't there so in terms of the application the vendors are trying to sell software often on a subscription basis where do they pitch that annual subscription knowing that what the customer is really getting is is often a platform with let's say no real boundaries for um, the the sort of capability of that platform so if you're going to start small I guess then that initial investment in that platform subscription could be seen as prohibitive but over time the more and more you build into that platform the costs don't generally increase or certainly don't increase incrementally there may be a point at which you maybe need a slightly bigger um you know subscription or some elements to that to that subscription that 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 weren't there before um so, so yeah, I mean, I do, I do get that, that there's a challenge there in terms of how how to balance that. I think maybe what the vendors need to do is find ways of um, maybe having more attractive, whether it's entry level pricing or small scale systems that 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 you quickly grow out of, but at least gets people started on on that journey so they can they can start to see some of those benefits, um, and particularly while there's maybe that encouragement around starting small or starting smart is, is the entry level costs then too, too high that do, that do prohibit people from even, even starting that journey. Um, I don't know whether you guys ever have, uh, you know, ven- vendors on these types of conversations that we could post some of those questions to directly, but it's, um, it's certainly something that I'd be interested in talking to um, our primary partner about, um, and seeing what their, their thoughts are on that. John Paul uh,
0: starting smart cost effectively <laughs> yes ah well um so, some software are indeed more expensive or their licensing is expensive um but may- maybe it's not the software in which people should invest at that stage in their journey. Maybe that's something for, for the future. Maybe what they want to do uh, can be done differently um, in, uh, as a smaller scale, um, ju- just to start and to get the ball rolling. Um, there are many solutions and uh, many ways to, to, to achieve a, a, a few first steps in, in, in the journey. Uh, at very reasonable cost. Um, there, are, there, there is hardware that is autonomous um, where there is no license fee. Well, we've seen one, one example with, with Luke. There's many other hardware like that where maybe it's already verticalized. Maybe there is some development, but you, you can already start there. And the value of that more expensive software will only come when you scale it up. Um, so Probably, uh, 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 I would come back to the the first step. Be specific. Um, the, we start an IoT journey because we want to fix a pain, because we want to do some savings, because we have an objective. We don't start an uh, an IoT journey because we want to do some IoT. Um, it, it's a tool, and, and that software is is a tool like uh, like all the others. Uh, it certainly fits the 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 use case that the manufacturer had in mind, um, may, maybe we're not yet in that use case um, and uh, and it will come later in the journey.
1: Alejandra, do you do you come across this um, as a barrier when you're dealing with your clients?
3: Yeah, and I should say even ourselves, we have paired that point when accessing a piece of technology to either develop our own capabilities or proving a concept to a particular customer, we end up uh, having to renew a license for something that we don't necessarily have a high utilization for. So it is, it's, it''s real. Uh, but I think that's also um, a result from, from the current market, the current demand. So the stats give us a reference on, on, on what is actually the um, the market that is paying for the technologies. And I think in terms of do uh, they need to change or not? I think they will eventually change. They will carry on maturing. A lot of the technologies out there are coming from startups, from scale-ups. So new businesses in the play, and the the um, the backing, the financial uh, support that they have, or the financial uh, strategy that that they have to grow uh, against that business will have to carry on evolving as as the market demand also evolves. Uh, And uh, also, what are to be the considerations around the the different business models where, in some cases, you have uh, the opportunity to to leverage or to capitalize on the data, or where you will have the opportunity to capitalize on the assets themselves, so being the network, or being the physical, the hardware devices themselves, or being the, the access to to your own platforms, or to this, the your own subscription to to existing IoT platforms or hosting platforms. So those changes I will foresee they will continue evolving, eh, and this is only a consequence of the actual market dynamics that we see still in, in these early times.
1: Yeah, I I think it is it is very much about. Um, new business models really and uh, you know the, a lot of these are emerging you know the, the rolls-royce idea of, of airlines paying for distance traveled rather than the engine up front or i've seen a similar thing in vertical hoists for a construction industry where you you actually pay for the number of meters of lift that you've um you've used so that these all become much more cost effective especially in early stages or for small users so so i'm sure those sorts of models can be applied to um iiot software as well we we're, we're doing really well we've we've done our 75 minutes and i have one more rather interesting question which is a bit of a curveball for you all um and it's it's about the future application of ai artificial intelligence in this area and and where do you perhaps see that going um i've um, Come back from a weekend with a former business partner of mine, good friend in based in Cambridge, and we're we're looking at uh, ChatGPT, which is uh, GPT, which is a, um, um, a an AI model. Which um, you know, who knows? It might get rid of people like me before too long because it writes its own articles and can do all that. And um, and I've actually I've actually put a question into GPT while we've been talking, and it's come up with a pretty decent answer, but nothing like the color or the background that any of our speakers have um have 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 brought to the subject so i I think you're all fine in terms of not being replaced by an ai AI model um but but where where would you see ai taking us in terms of um manufacturing efficiency digitalization um who wants to start that one it's a bit of a curveball isn't it uh let's start with luke
4: uh, at all, uh, my view is uh, AI has gone from being peddled as snake oil to actually having a legitimate place within the environment of manufacturing. Um, and, and its legitimacy is only just starting to kind of show itself to us all because of the uh, all these innovations from OpenAI with ChatGPT, et cetera. But, I mean, if I was to look at this really broadly, I would say that primarily the, the things that uh, initially gonna get, receive the most benefit from this is digital tasks in the digital world because um, these AIs operate digitally and they can manipulate digital things exceptionally well. Uh, and you can see once we can uh, convert our analog voices into something digital, then chat GPT can work with that and it can understand the input and it can generate an, an, an exceptional output. So initially it will, op- oper- it will take on tasks which are in the digital world because this digital technology is so it is so dexterous within that environment right but in the physical world there's still a long way to go so there are there are plenty of robotic AI like things and that are uh, under development but f- from my point of view that they're, they're technologically quite way behind. Um, you can apply AI to a, a machine but it doesn't make the machine move like a human. Right, so there, there are plenty of aspects of the machinery which isn't yet ready to take, be taken advantage of by the AI. Um, and, and so, b- broadly speaking, if most of what we do on this call, and I suspect most of our uh, people in the audience, uh, a lot of our role revolves around digital tasks. We're interacting with our laptops. We're typically not interacting with the physical things on our production lines. And so I I basically said to my production guys not so long ago, in some respects, your jobs are the safest in the whole company, right? I've got people sitting upstairs working at their desks, uh, but their roles are far more likely to be done by uh, an AI than the people who who require to be uh, manipulating the physical objects on the production line. So... It's, it's, again, it's, a, it's an evolution, but initially, my, my view is any kind of uh, artistic, digital uh, or data manipulation tasks are prime for some kind of AI, and then longer term, maybe physical,
2: real-world tasks. Thank you. Chris? Yeah, I think um, I think similar to um, IIoT, really. I think um, it's going to be down to the individual use cases, and we'll find some more obvious um use cases get tackled first um i think i completely agree with luke's point really that um those those sort of systems or where there's already digital interaction is where those use cases are going to present themselves to begin with um we're already seeing some of those things in in certain areas already um and the uh I suppose really the proliferation is going to just come down to what what level of success there is in in those uh, in those elements and how they can be I suppose like packaged up into um, uh, something that 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 can be described and repeated almost that can be then used by others almost productized. So like we 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 talk a lot now about predictive maintenance and those t- those types of things that certainly have elements of machine learning and that kind of thing behind them. Um, so finding those use cases that are then, can then be packaged up and repeated in other areas are probably going to be, well, we'll see the, um, you know, the, the sort of greatest proliferation, I suppose, in the beginning. Thank you. Alejandra?
3: Yeah, as I said, the limits are essentially are in, in that scope, the physical scope, uh, but also the ethical aspects uh, that are associated to what concerns the manufacturing environment and uh, and anything associated with that. And that starts from the point on on how you generate data or whether you get data to train algorithms, for example, that starts with an ethical aspect as well. And all of that starts covering all the rest of uh, of things that you do with that data to build your, your artificial intelligence algorithms. So I will combine safety and ethical aspects all together to define that limitation on how far AI is actually to, to go. Behind that, uh, we need still uh, to evolve uh, around uh, policies that will actually ensure that this is the, uh, the domain of concern that will establish those boundaries and how far it can actually be taken. We have seen that AI can go really far, but we need to keep that uh, within the right balance. And similar to, Uh, to Chris talk around, uh, and my own talk actually, around uh, the hierarchies. I think that backbone within the automation domain will continue existing Mm -hmm. because of the determinism that you need in there, because of the reliability that you need for your physical production systems. And anything around that is that, that level of allowance that you can actually have around the implementation of new technologies in relation to to what your requirements are within your production environment and your business environment and it is clear that also the requirements will vary uh, all across different businesses but there will be common aspects and those common aspects will continue being around people and, and around their uh, aspects.
1: yeah thank you for mentioning um the, the ethical <laughs> and safety issues which which is certainly something that we were discussing at the weekend you know that um AI In the hands of bad actors or um, or even just as a result of poor programming can be quite a dangerous technology as well. So as you say, as you all say, there's a long way to go. Um, so for the purposes of symmetry, we started with Jean Paul, so we'll we'll ask him to finish on this topic
0: all right thank you um well uh ai works on data and there is a a comment in the in the chat about uh, um regardless of the potential capabilities of ai in the future companies to digitally transform first um that's that, that's uh, well I, I would agree with that uh, with that statement indeed um uh, it, it, it it is the discovery of a new tool, uh, a, a new thing. Um, we are still in the process of digitalizing the the, the industry. Um, the, the the methodology uh, is still being built day, day by day, and now we have this new tool. Um, either we make. Our half of the bridge uh, to, to generate data to reach that tool, or that tool will um, adjust to fit the hand um, and, and become helpful to, to us, and, and it will go the, the, the two ways, I, I guess, like it did for other, other technologies. Um, so, um, nice interesting. Um, let's look into it in uh, on the larger future, but let's talk again, maybe not in 10 years, but in three, five years and see how uh, how this bridge is being built.
1: Definitely. And we'll see how far that uh, our, uh, our 10% of people in advanced state of digitalization, how how that might have improved in three to five years. And, and we had one last comment actually from uh, Matthew in the defense industry talking about the uh, importance of keeping data safe and that could be a potential stumbling block. but not notwithstanding that, I think it, you know it, 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 it it's a very positive future that we're looking at through digitalization and ultimately through some very futuristic tools that we might be able to exploit then. Um, with that, I'm going to draw it to a close and thank you very much to to our speakers for a superb um, um, discussion this morning.
0: Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned across all podcast apps, follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters, and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.